fund Archegos Capital Management's spectacular failure in just a few days in March has cost Wall Street's biggest banks billions of dollars and sent a warning to investors everywhere. But so far, the markets are shrugging it off as one bad apple. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from The National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. Before we start, just a reminder that you can subscribe to the Business Extra podcast at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your audio content. With me is my co-host, uh, the National's future editor, Kelsey Warner. Hi, Kelsey. Hey, Mustafa. Good to be here. I'm thinking this week people may be wondering, why are they talking Archigo this week? But I think to your point of the dust has settled, people are shrugging it off. And I think it's worth looking back and talking about now that they've done a bit of a postmortem, what are the losses and what are the lessons that are still to be learned? Um, I'm going to let you run through the uh, chain of events that led to the collapse of this fund, family office fund of Bill Huang. Um, but just just to the point of why does it remain a relevant story, the banks, some of the biggest names, Credit Suisse, etc., are still dealing with the fallout. They've had to uh, let go of a couple of senior people on the banking side as a result of this. Um, the, the, the earnings season, um, where you know a lot of investors were supposedly looking at uh, if earnings would match up with expectations. You know we've had such a flurry of of uh, share price movement to the upside in recent weeks, mm-hmm. and and people were saying this is because they expect corporate America to kind of bear out this this optimism. Right, the S and P five hundred is up eleven and a half percent through this year, off of a further t- like twenty percent in twenty twenty. So this feeling of the stock market is yeah we're. We're riding high. Exactly. And and so if, if the bank's earnings disappoint, then that might start, you know, sentiment to shift. But also the beginning of every major crisis in, in recent generations, the banks have been the ones to watch out for, the ones at the front line, the ones that begin to feel the pain first. They sure have. And the narrative, the Bill Huang narrative was, well, it was just one guy, so we can brush this off, you know, get up, brush yourself off. I mean... David Solomon, the chairman and CEO of Goldman Sachs, said on an earnings call, this isn't the first, it won't be the last. You know, our risk management systems kicked in and they did what they needed to do. But for others, as you mentioned, so Credit Suisse, the bank, said last week it would take a $4.7 billion charge on the Archegos trade, equivalent to more than a year's worth of its profits. Nomura said it could face up to $2 billion in losses. UBS, it's still unclear what their losses will be, but they are expected to disclose losses. Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs, the two firms that actually triggered these margin calls, and Bill Wong later was quoted as saying, the banks forced us to sell our shares. Quite right, they did, and they evaded losses. So Goldman Sachs said that their losses would be immaterial. They sold fast on March 25th, possibly up to $10.5 billion worth of Archegos shares. And Morgan Stanley disclosed $911 million lost attributed to Archegos directly. But they also were offloading early March 25th. Uh, And this came from Viacom CBS disclosing early that week that they really were not keeping up with their streaming competitors, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, Netflix, and their stock price tanked. And when Archegos was asked to cover its losses with further collateral, they couldn't do it. And that triggers these margin calls. That triggers these banks offloading what they're starting to see as, you know, shares that are no longer upholding their value. And that's, that's where we get into trouble. 
So it, on the on the face of it, it looks like one big investor who who wasn't a novice, who had been in the markets for a while, had previous history in Asia. Uh, Bill Huang um, knew you know knew what he was doing. Was using sophisticated financial instruments in this case called total transfer swaps. Um, honestly, I've I've read it many many times to try and understand. Mind bending. Yeah, let's not pretend we understand it. <laughs> uh, but but that's almost the frightening thing. Is it's um, I'm not a dumb guy, um, but you know I'm struggling to work out. You're not how how this. Thank you. Yeah. How how, the, how this works. And so in the same case, if we draw parallels with the subprime crisis, with a lot of the instruments, you know, infamously called you know weapons of financial mass destruction by Warren Buffett. If, if, if some of these are still are still ongoing, but let, let's let's take it on the on the surface. Bill Huang has a has a fund has up to ten billion dollars worth of assets in the market, but he doesn't actually own them. He's using these sophisticated instruments to to play the markets. He's borrowing a lot effectively. He's borrowing from these banks. He's leveraging on leveraging. His dollar is all over town. Correct. <laughs> he bit off more than he can chew mm-hmm. is the narrative, I guess. And the swaps allow him, to be clear, the swaps allow him to basically operate below the surface. He doesn't have to make disclosures to the U.S. regulators to say, hey, I'm, I'm, a, sh- I'm a major shareholder in these companies. These swaps allow him to hold the underlying value of these stocks. He doesn't have to be a public shareholder. And I think it's worth mentioning this below-the-surface reputation was something that he forged well at Tiger Asia. He was known to be secretive. Which, in some cases, you know, because people will follow him, you know, he can move the market with a decision. Um, You know, there are a lot of big so-called whale investors like Warren Buffett who are allowed, they're given exceptions, for example, to to register what they have invested in later so that it doesn't sway the market in one way or another. But I mean, to come back to this, this you know, this narrative of Wall Street is saying that this is one bad apple, Bill Huang, he played too fast and loose, he over leveraged. And then when he got caught out with Viacom, um, you know, put out that bad news and the share price tanked. And that's the reason why. But I, I mean, I, I challenge that narrative for a number of reasons. One, to your point about the secrecy, it was opaque, the family office. Uh, Wall Street couldn't tell what he owned, what he didn't know, own, how much money he had, what he was doing. So they were lending to him, not blind. I'm sure they had their systems, but it was not up to scratch, obviously, because they were all caught by surprise. Right. They don't have a sense of the wider holdings. They Correct. only see a small sliver and only the sliver that they're given access to. So Goldman doesn't know what UBS knows, which is what Credit Suisse knows, which is what Morgan Stanley. They are all getting a slice of this very large pie, and they're all happy to eat. Because, like, to your point, he's a whale, but he was, in Bloomberg's words, he's the biggest trader we've never heard of. Um, he was really operating below the ra- radar under the auspices of family offices, which are famously unregulated. So the the Wall Street banks say, you know, this, we were forced to to call in um, on Bill Huang. He had to come up with the money uh, to close the gap, the mar- the fame, you know, infamous margin call. Um, he was unable to do that. They started selling his 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 shares. He was on the hook. Now they're all on the hook for the losses. Um, it's it is billions of dollars as as you went through the figures. But there's no lesson here. There there is a concerted effort to say this is one guy. This is one fund. And he technically didn't do anything wrong, except for now he holds maybe one of the most embarrassing world records of losing the most amount of money in the fastest amount of time. I've seen two different rates of loss. I've seen uh, two days, uh, eight billion, is it? And then 
20 billion in five days. Right. So I don't know which one it is, but either way, it's bad. Either way, it's bad. I don't even know that we have picked yet which <laughs> which one it is. But uh, yeah, either way, it's bad. Most amount of money, shortest amount of time. Uh, but he still, he did nothing wrong. You know, in contrast to news broke of this around the same time that we found out that Bernie Madoff had died in prison, the biggest Ponzi scheme perpetrator of our time. And I don't want to draw any comparisons whatsoever, but... These are 21st century problems, seemingly. Bill Huang operated under the auspices of a church-going, God-fearing man, and he talked about how cutting-edge technology companies were benefiting society. And I think, you know, this is a guy who's been accused of insider trading, wire fraud, meanwhile going to church in suburban New Jersey, running ministries in New York City with fellow, you know, high-powered financiers. It's a it's an interesting tapestry. It's an interesting character he weaved in Manhattan. I feel like that's almost the distraction. It's it's this sort of wolf of Wall Street. It's it's one predator um, gaming the system, as opposed to the problem being, you know, the system, the, the the regulation, the transparency. I mean, there is there are attempts at investigations at the moment by the SEC, by uh, the Senate is looking into what happened. Um, but we, you know, with all these things, it, it only it only goes so far. There's a lot of noise. There's a flurry. But Wall Street's closed ranks here. Yeah, I mean, the oversight committees in Congress were had their eye on the ball of GameStop, and then the Bill Huang thing happens. And so, which what are they going to regulate? Is it Robinhood? Is it GameStop? Is it Bill Huang? Is it family offices? They they seemingly have their hands full all of a sudden. My, my worry is we've had at least two big big warnings. So we, we've had the game, what happened with GameStop, and now we've had with Archegos Capital Management and Bill Huang. We've had these two incidents, and yet investors continue to pile in. Right. And these are not victimless occurrences, but they are seemingly criminalless occurrences. And so I think that's where we're starting to get into trouble is who is held accountable here and what do regulations need to look like to to offset all of this. In the meantime, in, you know, regulation takes time, oversight takes time, investigations take time. But with, I think there's a lot of uncertainty around what what's happened, with you know, behind the scenes in, in, in markets in, in recent months. But that's not putting people off from chasing more gains. And you know, we have seen largely any bad news, whether it's inflationary concerns or a collapse of a fund shrugged off by investors. They are not really looking closely at anything. I don't think there even needs to be a whiff of criminality. I don't think there even needs to be a whiff of um, uh, even incompetence. It, it could just be one of these things. But the fact that it's one of these things, you, you're you not Bill Huang. You're not worth $20 billion. You might be worth, not, I'm not you particularly, Indeed, I'm saying, no. I'm just, I'm yeah. saying to the investor <laughs> out there that's listening, um, you might be worth 10,000, 100,000, 150,000, but chances are, if you're wiped out, you're not coming back. You know, you're not going to recover like Bill Huang. You're not going to necessarily, you know, access other capital, whatever assets. And you've got your money tied up in various indexes, various passive trackers. The market is more than frothy right now. The market is frankly frightening. And it makes me even more frightened when I see incidents like this and not even a pullback, not even a blink. The car just keeps going. Absolutely. You know? And even, I mean, some of the commentary around his plays around, 
you know, he was into Shopify via, like he was into e-commerce, he was into ed tech, he was into video streaming. You're like, these were smart plays. They were. (laughs) The commentary is not uh, deep navel gazing over the, you know, injustices or, you know, difficulties of the current market. The navel gazing is around, wow, those, those were still pretty, he was really concentrated, but they were, they were smart bets. Which seems but he was overborrowed, right? Bizarre. He was, he was over leveraged. Over leveraged. Yeah. And and a lot of individual investors out there are borrowing to to play the markets when mm-hmm. they see the gains. Right. And that is that is the worry. And and so you may not be borrowing. Again, I'm talking to the to the one listener who 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 I'm talking to. In my mind, I can see you. And I'm talking to you, and you may not be over leveraged. You might be, again, really smart and you've got your strategy. But everyone else around you is crazy. So do you really want to be swimming in that kind of water? And that, and that, and that, to me is 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 the question that we should all be asking ourselves. So it doesn't say sell out. No, don't sell everything. There's no need to panic. It's not. It's not about that. But it's kind of like we should all take a breath, because when our kigos can go down, when Bill Huang can go down, sophisticated, smart, experienced investor with lots of capital, with the best brokers, can can go down like that that quickly in a matter of days, then then really. Anyone can and the entire market can. And we, we have to remember history and we have to remember what happened just over a decade ago. And we have to remember various market tantrums that we've had to deal with as well in the interim period. I want to point out Julian Robertson, Bill Huang's former boss at Tiger Management, basically said to Business Insider, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. So to your point of when somebody this smart is failing so spectacularly, we have to check what the heck is going on. Julian Robertson, the Tiger Management legendary investor, said he was very sad about his acolyte's fall. I'm a great fan of Bill, and it could probably happen to anyone, but I'm sorry it happened to Bill. I'm sorry it happened to Bill, and hopefully it's not going to happen to anybody else, but it's a, it's the markets are an inflection point. Um, we are seeing assets continue to rise. And the earnings are going to come out now and the banks, it's not going to look good. Um, but we'll see, you know, rest of corporate America hopefully is is flying high and, and that's going to please investors out there. But we'll see. A possibility to learn a lesson that I think we're watching just whoosh by. Kelsey Warner, thanks so much for being with us. Good to be here. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe. You can subscribe to all the national shows at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio content. All that remains to thank our production team, Arthur Edison, Aisha Khan. Please join us again next time.